0: To
1: the untrained eye, real estate is the business of shelter, of comfort, of home.
0: But industry insiders know that just behind the curtain resides a world teeming with innovation and disruption and sometimes brutal competition.
1: And there in the midst of it all stand our industry leaders, the folks with the answers to our million-dollar questions in real estate.
0: We've got one of those leaders here for you today.
1: I'm Jessica Edgerton.
0: And I'm Tarko Heidinga from
1: a leading real estate companies of the world. Let's pull back the curtain. Welcome to Million Dollar Question. This is a Soulfire production. Blockchain is a hot topic across a heavy cross-section of industries right now fintech, automotive, government services, insurance, telecom, healthcare, and of course, real estate, to name a few, as innovators operating in the ever-broadening virtual landscape seek more secure and faster transactional experiences. Specific to the world of real estate, competition is fierce to offer consumers and agents alike faster, more efficient, and more secure buying and selling processes. As a globally accessible technology, requiring no centralized authority, one with incredibly robust privacy and security redundancies, blockchain seems to fit the bill as a panacea for some of our industry's most pressing ills. Enter Teresa Grobecker. Teresa is the CEO of Real Estate Consortia, a Bay Area-based company putting the world's largest asset class, American real estate, on the blockchain. Real Estate Consortia is also an NFT and training solution led by an SEC-registered investment banker, a real estate broker, and a mortgage loan originator, all in one incredible human, that human being Teresa, who I am thrilled to have for you today as one of our two world-class guests. Joining Teresa with us is her COO, Sheila Fageron, a power in her own right with decades of experience in the real estate and technology landscapes under her belt. Teresa and Sheila are here today to answer our million-dollar questions regarding blockchain and its intersection with the real estate industry. All right. Hi, Sheila and Teresa. How are you guys?
0: Morning. You're i
1: am doing great. I am so excited to have two of the predominant leaders in the NFT and cryptocurrency space as it intersects with real estate in the industry here with us today. This is such a treat and I'm really grateful for both of your time here today. Teresa, you and I have gotten to hang out quite a bit over the last few months. Sheila, this is our first time actually talking. Of course, I know your name, um, but this is just absolutely fun. Um, Thank you both for being here. I want to start out with getting a little bit of background on your companies and how you really got intersection with the real estate industry as you explored this revolutionary space. Teresa, let's start with you.
2: Totally. Thank you so much for having us on the show. And thank you to all the listeners out there. Good morning from the San Francisco Bay Area. So my experience in real estate is I started the first online real estate brokerage in San Francisco a decade ago. And then along the way, created a blockchain company, which created this one, which has led to this one. Um, I had to read all of Dodd-Frank in the first blockchain company. And Dodd-Frank says that my uh-huh. less- Yeah, it's fun. It happened between two and four in the morning where I read the following clause, which has since changed my life, um, that there has to be a ledger for every piece of property or asset that a bank or lender owns. I was like, oh, that's blockchain. Pretty simple. Um, So filed for the patent for anything blockchain, non-fungible token, which is NFT related um, and real estate. So anything that touches a piece of property, resi or commercial filed for those patent claims in 2018. It was never intended to be a business. It was simply an offensive move against China and Russia because they are ahead of us in some of these technologies or were ahead of us. Um, So it was a gift to the industry. It was shoved in front of Bob Goldberg, the CEO of the National Association of Realtors, which is, of course, the largest lobbying force on Capitol Hill. And he was like, you're ours. And I was like. It's for you, so I'm glad we agree. Um, So then went through his accelerator, uh, the the Second Century Ventures, which is the VC arm of NAR. Went through that accelerator in 2019, and we are part of the NAR portfolio of companies. So um, I just kind of stumbled into it, as, you know, a lot of businesses are. That's a history-like pattern for some businesses, right? And that's how I feel, just stumbled into it.
1: Sheila, what's your role in all of this? Well, I
0: work with Teresa as her COO of consortia. And I come from a little bit of a different background. I came originally from the new home sales side, building custom homes for David Weekly and other large national builders. Then moved into a brokerage role, running a brokerage out of Plano, 12 offices in four states. And then moved to an independent brokerage where I'm at now and have built a large organization worldwide. Um, met Teresa and just, I'd been studying blockchain and crypto for a number of years, just thousands of hours learning, trying to understand the industry. And when I met Teresa, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm doing this. This is, this is yeah. it. This is the future of every single thing for our industry in regards to real estate on the blockchain. So
1: Teresa has that effect on people. This is it. This is it. (laughs) All right. So let's take a step back. Let's look, if you guys can give me a little bit of sort of the high level perspective of NFT blockchain basics and why they are so critical as we look to the future of the real estate industry.
2: I I want to start really basic and then I'll hand this off to Sheila because we were just on stage at Inman and I say that the industry has been so gracious. I speak nerd. And for the first time, I brought my translator who speaks human. So One of the many reasons me. I love you. <laughs> we we'll speak the same language. Um, so uh, blockchain is nothing more than a spreadsheet. So if everyone can just close their eyes, if you're driving, don't close your eyes, right, as you listen to this. But just imagine a spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet, where you've got a date entry, you have a description, and then there's probably a number, like money. Like, We're in this for money, or, or that's part of it, right? That's part of the outcome of what we do. So that's all it is. And sometimes you share the spreadsheet with your business partner, or sometimes you say, I'll share it with you, but don't touch it. All my formulas are written. Please don't, you don't have permissions. You can just view it, but you're not going to touch it. So that is what we're using blockchain for. Every one of these entries becomes a non-fungible token, meaning I can share it with you. You can even buy my data. If my data is important to you, in underwriting or purchasing a home or making a business decision about commercial real estate, you can buy my data. So I can come on, mint my data, and then it's there for sharing. It's the democratization of data. And there's so much data about homes that's locked up in different silos, and there's never been a way. It's, it's like peer-to-peer sharing, but with permissions levels, right? So if you're, for example, an appraiser, or you're a lender, um, or you're roto and you have records about the inside of the home, Guess what? Capital markets and insurance companies need to know that. So that's how we come at this. We're really at institutional level. So instead of non-fungible tokens, if you guys have seen like Board ape monkey smoking a joint, we are not that. We are the digital records, grown-up version of blockchain.
1: Sheila, uh, that sounded pretty human to me too. But Sheila, do you have <laughs> any additional layers of the human speak on uh, on on how this how this all plays out?
0: Yeah, I think a lot of times Teresa is so far, I mean, she's been doing this for over a decade, right? She, she, This is her fourth iteration of this company, and this is her second blockchain company. So she's been doing this for a bit. Yeah. And so a lot of people just are trying to get caught up. And really, I, I describe blockchain kind of like a file cabinet, where if you have a property, imagine a drawer being a property. And then in that drawer, you can put different files. You could have a file for taxes, a file for homeowner's insurance, a file for whatever. And so blockchain works like a file cabinet to where you can, it's a store of data, but because it's blockchain, it's immutable, it's indestructible. And um, hope ours is private and permissions based, so it's based on consumer protection. And giving a level of security that you don't have today, I mean- Think about it. People email personal information back and forth to their lenders. How crazy is that, right? And that people hack and can steal data. And this this prevents that.
1: Which leads us nicely into my next question. And you've already given some of the perspective on this. But I'd love for you to get into a little bit more detail on what the benefits are to incorporating this technology, um, this new landscape for consumers, for the agents that are serving them and also for the brokerages
2: under which those agents sit. So um, we have an advisor from um, one of the largest private equity firms in the world and um, her nickname is money. And so she focuses on national growth for her firm and money. I'm clapping my hands together guys. money wants money right now. So the rubber (laughs) hits the road for money. So she's like, how do we help the consumer right now? And it's a matter of doing all the homework about the listing going live. Before the listing goes live, it's called a certified listing. So we do all the title work. We do the Fannie Freddie approved. Um, I, ha- I know we're not on video, but I have to do this. The Vanna White, like with the phone. Like, she, do- for,
1: for those yeah. listeners out there, she's looking very Vanna White at this moment.
2: <laughs> it's too early to be Vanna White. It needs a different dress. <laughs> but um, thank you. So, uh, so you can do the, th- the floor plan. It's a 3D mesh that becomes a floor plan that Fannie and Freddie have approved for desktop appraisal. This is huge. We're also baking in a way for the agents to be able to do that PDR data for the industry, which is, look, appraisals are eventually going to go away. We know that's the direction that this whole industry is going. So it's going to be upon us as practitioners to get that data to the lenders. We also have now a site inspection. This is huge. So same technology as this, but with a different use case. So instead of on form the AVID disclosure, the agent's visual inspection disclosure, right? Uh, In California it's called AVID. Instead of like 20 different shades of using words, right? Or 50 shades, right, of using words. Now we have, you can do a supplement that's the visual walkthrough that's authenticated on blockchain. Mm -hmm. So that's the here and now. Those are three products that are baked into blockchain so that the consumer has the right information We're working on a pilot with Fannie Mae right now to make this a standard that lenders can use to follow this rubric for underwriting the asset. So what we believe here is we're shortening the days on market. We're shortening the escrow period um, in the underwriting, which means especially in an environment with rising interest rates, we're bringing that down, right? Instead of the buyer being boxed out of, say, a debt to income ratio, we're buying a home We can keep that interest rate locked in. The goal here is to close within seven days. That's ultimately our goal. And it has to be seven days because of TRID, which is a RESPA underwriting guideline, right? So that's the end goal here to go from 45, 60 days and reduce all the costs.
1: Okay. This is a little out there, but it was something that I've heard, especially with some of the consumers out there that have gone through multiple transactions or maybe... You know, used to sort of the, the the slow pace of a transaction, like, oh God, if it gets too fast, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start getting nervous. So as we think about this from a consumer perspective, this this is a real condensation or condensing of the timeframes here. Do you think that um agents should be thinking about how to also, as they're communicating this shortened time frame, Really reemphasizing the privacy and security um, that is baked into this new process, I mean there there is a lot of consumer education that's going to have to happen around this, and there's a lot of nerves that are going to have to be assuaged. So what kind of conversations would you recommend people
2: have around that? Totally. So the data is being secured it's actually now being recorded just yesterday, there was an article I think it hit in New York Times mm-hmm. that an appraisal for a black family was it for 72 472,000 and for a white family in the same property it was 750. It's all yes, it and this is
1: one instance of so many that
2: we're so seeing. many. It's yep. disgusting. And so yep. by putting these records up on blockchain ahead of time, we're removing the possibility for a lot of those errors. We're standardizing if there's proof, right? Look, we're solving for some human human condition errors here, right? So if, if it's trust and verify, we're going to be able to clean up the process and address fair housing. That's, that's a huge benefit to the consumer that we're really proud of. It wasn't my idea. People smarter than me were like, hey, we can do And I was like, yes, all day long. And then eventually what this becomes is that the asset gets underwritten ahead of time so that lenders are going to come directly to the consumer. And this is just like investment banking. You guys know I'm a licensed investment banking banker. So the deal terms are presented to the buyer. So no longer are the buyers in this total fog, right? This ambiguity fog of buying a house. How much over is it going to go for? How much extra cash do I have to bring to the table? Oh, I don't know. It's a blind process. So sorry, this process sucks. And you're going to do this 10 times before you win a house. No, the lender is going to come and say, we already underwrote the whole house. Here are the deal terms. If your credit is above 750, this is what your deal term is. If you're below 700, these are your deal terms. And so then the consumer, because all of this is data-driven anyway, the AVM is being used for the appraisal. We already know the value of the house. Now the buyer can say, well, this I really want this house for this neighborhood. I am willing to pay $50,000 over. So they go into it all transparent. That is where we're taking that. That's going to be certified listings 2.0. We're really excited about this. Now there's, another, there's apprehension about how quickly people go through this, this process, how fast it's going to become. Look, in a competitive seller's market here, what we see all the time is that there is a seller rent back. So, so here's the issue is, if you're a buyer, do I renew my lease for the next month? or do I not? Am I going to pay another 3,000 dollars for my lease? I don't know. That is a terrible feeling. If you're the seller, where am I going to go? Do I have to rent an Airbnb? What do I do with myself? Do I move twice? These are things that give us consternation. This creates anxiety. If I know for sure somebody is buying my house and I get an extra 30 days post-close, okay, now now I have time to go get that box, pack my silverware. I'm calm because I know what to expect. It's not a, I'm all ready to move out and then we fall out of escrow two days before closing, which happens. That is where the problem is in the process now. So I'm talking too much. Please, Sheila, like clean up what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> no, it's amazing. And you're exactly right because ultimately we you have all these different players involved in the transaction from the first touch all the way till they get their keys. And our goal is to look at every single company or person involved in the process and figure out how do we pull all that together to make it better for the consumer, more seamless, easier And even for the people operating, what we're able to do for the agents and the loan officers and the brokerages and everybody involved from the title company, we're we're helping them make their jobs easier too because of what we're doing with streamlining the whole process, making it faster, easier, smoother, uh, more compliant, more consumer focused, and more protection
1: all the way around. And fairer, I the the fact that you brought up fair housing and the appraisal atrocities that we're seeing over and over again hit the news recently. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is for the last two years, um, unfortunately, especially after a a, a pretty rocky um, undercover um, expose by a company named called Newsday out out in uh, on the on the East Coast. Fair housing has, with good reason, had a resurgence recently, and hearing the intersection of these two seemingly very, um, disparate, uh, new areas, um, you know, resurgence of fair housing and, and blockchain and, and how they really intersect, um, and the synergies there is so heartening to me. Um, because it's, it is, I, I also, I don't love that it takes a technology to, um, to resolve this necessarily. I, I would love for humans to just not, you know, engage in that kind of unconscious bias, uh, to begin with. Um, but that we have a solution baked in to, um, to, to this, to this technology is, is pretty fantastic.
2: Can I just share a personal story to how Please. passionate I am about this? Um, so we're now advising the U S government subcommittee on appraisals for this as well. So we're pretty proud about that, but at a personal level, um, I was born overseas. So my dad was a cold war spy. My mom came, the last queen of Korea comes from my mom's family. That didn't matter because I was a half-breed and the doctors left me to die in the basement of a hospital with a needle in my forehead, like when I was born in Korea. And in an instant, my parents, especially my mom, was willing to walk away from a nice life of an expat overseas and everything there just so I could achieve the American dream. And so I'm about to cry. It's, this is really important to me. We are not just transaction junkies as realtors. We are stewards of the American dream. And I just want to share that for whoever's listening. So in your next transaction, you don't even know the people overseas who have a dream of giving their kid a better life and that we protect that. So it's a commitment from the company, from consortia, to protect the American dream. Thank you so so much for that, Teresa. Like, That's where our heart is as as a company.
1: And ultimately, as you know, the, the NAR preamble says, under all is the land, right? I mean, this all as high level as we can get about this, this ultimately comes down to exactly what you just spoke to, the, the dream of home ownership, the dream of gil- giving your children something um, that will not be pulled out from under your feet, right? And to make that process all the more powerful, efficient, and fair is um, just about as um, beautiful an operation as as you can get. So deeply I, appreciate you sharing that. Go ahead, Sheila.
0: If I can add something to that, because Teresa and I both have the same feeling about this. And one of the other things I think is important to understand is not only are we protecting people on the front end with what we're doing, our large overarching goal is to protect protect them on the back end as well. We've baked in a way to try to prevent foreclosure And to help people retain their properties or sell their properties with dignity so they don't lose their equity, help them move out without actually having to go through foreclosure. So this is much larger than just selling a home as an NFT. We're literally encompassing the entire industry on every side with the consumer as our main focus. How do we protect the consumer on every side of it? And then how do we bake in the agent? the loan officer, the title company, and all the important people that are currently involved in the transaction with them so that if anything ever happens to them and they're in a hardship, that we'll be able to have those same people stay in touch with them in the future to help them through the distress if they
1: wind up having one. You guys are doing amazing work. So As a next uh, conversation topic, let's let's dig a little deeper in terms of what the regulatory landscape looks like and where we're going both in the U.S. and also um, from a global perspective.
2: So there are a few different areas of regulation. One is consumer privacy, because now we have access to all kinds of data that was never made available before. And several of the advisors and the team members of consortia are head general counsels for different companies, and they're our business partners. So we build this in lockstep with them. Our next meeting after that is after this one is actually with an attorney again. So and you're an attorney, right? So everything we do you can't is- can't re-
1: escape us.
2: <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> Keep me out of jail, please. Keep me out of jail. <laughs> so we we come at it. We wear our hats, right? We have our lenses. Does this protect the consumer who has permission to see data? The other part about selling property as NFTs is that at some point, there's a crossover to digital securities if we're not careful. And I've been a global speaker on digital securities as an investment banker since 2018. So we have to make sure that we follow the Howey test. And because of these laws, consortia never went down the road of launching an ICO, becoming a crypto, because the SEC had not made firm those laws. And I joked My ex-husband, I was like, hey, you ready to move to Singapore so we can circumvent the SEC laws. He looks at me. We're both ex-Meryl, or he's at Merrill and I used to be at Merrill Lynch. And he's like, no, we're not moving to Singapore with our little boys. And Merrill Lynch just shut down Asia operations. So no, we're not going. I was like, oh, cool. So no crypto. He's like, yeah, no crypto. So we follow those laws pretty seriously. And we're learning as all the rules change.
1: Great. Sheila, anything to add to that?
0: I think for people listening to understand that Teresa is the person right now, it literally the person that is the closest as far as advising the SEC, advising the U.S. government, advising the family offices. She sits in the center of all of it. So I encourage people to follow consortia because of Teresa, because I love knowing that we have the person that is the advisors to all of these different groups, um, and she's going to always do what's right, which I love about her.
2: <laughs> Try my best. It takes a team. takes a team. It does. It takes a team. <laughs> That's your dream
1: team. team. There has been a lot of just dis- detractor noise in um, the news recently with folks who are raising eyebrows, who are sort of watching the stocks do their thing. This none of this is stock investment, otherwise advice. Attorney disclaimers here. Um, but Mark Cuban, you know, had sort of a bombastic statement about the metaverse recently. Um, I think the exact phrase was something along the lines of. Um, metaverse uh real estate is the dumbest shit ever, right, and obviously we're not just talking about metaverse real estate here we're talking about the underlying tools, the regulation, et cetera um, but adjacent to that is a, a you know a, a virtual world getting built uh, which will also you know is very focused on on blockchain technology and crypto. What would you say to Mark Cuban were
2: you to have a rumble with him on stage? I'd actually give him a high five and a big hug, as awkward as that, but would be like, please step away, ma'am. Um, I agree with him. I think, you know, you've got people out there who are selling digital assets and it's a very, it, 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 I think there's, you know, the Howie test is right there. Is it a security? I'm the first to say that, right? If you're going to be selling that and I advise a dear friend of mine who's going that direction, I'm like, dude, just file for the broker dealer license, get it and be completely kosher and above board. So I agree with that. I think. And I'm not one to stop innovation. I like it. Um, and I but consortia stays in its lane. We are enterprise use case, we are creating the global digital twin for metaverse. And what's really interesting in our talks with Google, they haven't even figured it out, right? They're trying to figure out are they going enterprise or are they going fantasy land? And I think we're gonna see a huge bifurcation on those two applications. Is this for enterprise use, which we are, versus This is for when you're off the clock. I think of my 13-year-old son, like wearing the Oculus after his homework is done. So I think that's the different, the two routes that this goes.
1: In terms of coming back into the real world and bricks and mortar, another big area that this is moving into is commercial real estate. There's so many applications there. Can you talk about what you're seeing right now, specifically in the commercial arena?
2: Yeah, for sure. So family offices, which own a bulk of commercial real estate, they like to operate, um, Laura Millichap politely says, with privacy. I say, in the shadows, because that's what my family say. Um, So there's this whole layer of, of privacy. Then there are the practitioners who need certain bits of data. So one thing that we're doing right now is we're building out, instead of CoStar calling me and interrupting my day saying hey, how much did you lease that medical building for? What was the price per square foot? And I'm like politely like, uh, why are you interrupting my day, dude? Um, Instead of that, the brokers can then come on and share their information. Mint that as an NFT, monetize their data. So we're seeing that. We're seeing all the underwriting and due diligence, just like on the Resi side for the certified listing, doing that and putting those records ahead of time, getting all the appraisal data ahead of time, pulling that with our business partners and putting that on blockchain. I would say every second or third day, we're getting requests to do this for commercial real estate. We have a huge mandate, especially from the government entities, to fix some things about Resi, um, but we can't ignore commercial real estate at the same time.
1: Yep. So um, again, no advice for you know investing, etc., but what should people be looking at now across all of our audience strata, right? From an agent perspective, a consumer perspective, a brokerage and leadership perspective, what do you anticipate in the next 24 months? And how should we be wrapping our heads around what's what's coming at us here? Yeah.
2: So I would say you can love hate. Uh, it's a love hate. You can either love blockchain or hate it. It doesn't matter because there's, We know that there's a Fed coin coming. We know it's going to a digital dollar, right? They're trying to figure out when to launch it. It was hypothecated that it would be launched when there's a period of hyperinflation. Does that sound familiar? Like, oh, gee, that's weird, (laughs) right? I mean, this has been in fantasy books and predicted in The Economist, right? So like 30 years ago, this is bigger minds than mine. So the second that that gets launched, all of our transactions are on blockchain. It doesn't matter what you think about or what your feelings are. It's a matter of understanding what it is now and future-proofing your business. What steps should people be taking now to future-proof?
1: I think reading,
2: right? I mean, the fact that if you're tuning into this podcast, you're already already going the right direction. I commend anyone who's like, who read the description of this and they're like, blockchain, hmm, I'm going to choose to listen to this versus ignore it and go on to the next podcast. So you're already making the right choice, I would say. um, I don't know how much we can promote here. Sheila forced me to film finally. Jessica, you asked me to film this as well at Leading RE in March. And I was like, do I have to? And then Sheila was (laughs) like, you must teach the industry about regulations and what's coming. So we launched six hours of training and just filmed another 200 assets. So, um, you know, that's a good place to start to understand from regulatory to business operations right now, how to leverage the space. And we're continually um, sharing best practices and the next products that you can add to your book of business, not our products, but just ways to integrate blockchain overall into buying and selling homes. Sheila's probably the better person to answer this question. I don't know why I'm answering. Sheila, what you got for us? Well, I think
0: people could just join our community too, because we have a, we have a whole community of people that come in and they check us out. And then they listen to us and think, hmm, maybe I should go through that training. (laughs) And then once they go through the training, just the feedback we're getting is just incredible. People blown away at, they're like, I finally get it. I finally understand this. I finally feel comfortable having a conversation with this. So we have the community. We have the coursework. We have partnered with the CDPE and nationally, and he's going to be doing training live across the country that people would be able to go to. And we're constantly recording new, because again, this this iterates very quickly. And so the more I can have Teresa in the studio and helping get, I keep telling her, I'm going to get everything out of your brain, and I'm going to get it into, into video format so people can understand what you're saying. Um, the quicker we can... If you think it's kind of scary, think about this. If I told you the Fed coins coming out tomorrow, and oh, by the way, all of your transactions in the entire real estate industry is digital tomorrow, what would you do?
1: So really it's go back just- to bed and cry <laughs> if I hadn't watched Teresa's courses yet. Exactly. <laughs> if I had, I'd be like, heck yeah.
0: Bring it and on. Exactly. So, the quicker you can go through the coursework, the quicker you can join the community and join the conversation. And we're still putting the pieces together. We have 10 companies right now, monster national companies that are layering on to consortia to partner with us. Because, Teresa, I don't think she mentioned this before, consortia stands for consortium. Teresa understood when she created this company. That it wasn't going to be one person transforming everything. It was going to be a consortium of companies working together in conjunction to help change the industry and bring it to the next Web 3.0 phase of technology.
1: So unbelievably, we are already at the bottom of the hour here. Um, I want to make sure to have the time to ask my wrap up question to both of you that we end each of our million dollar questions on, which is, um, both of you are leaders in the industry. You are leaders in your own right in your company. Um, what advice have you used over the years as a leadership key, as something that you hang on to during times of transition or upheaval? Sheila, let's start with you. I always tell people
0: my favorite four-letter word is next. And so if you keep in mind that next, it, it'll it always change. There's always tomorrow. You'll get through this. It just kind of keeps you going when you're like, okay, next, get that out of the way. Let's move on to what's coming and future future focused.
1: Beautiful. How about you, Teresa?
2: Um, my best friend taught me coming into the accelerator program. It was Dave Garland. He said, just be kind. Hmm. And it's easy for me to get, um, impatient with people like, why don't you understand what I'm talking about? Just, he's like, just be kind. And I think that makes the whole difference in the world. And with my younger son, he's top of his class. He's so brilliant. And I don't care how smart he is. I just want him to be kind to others and be there to help his classmates because he's only as good as his team. So kindness, especially in a company like this, where we are Switzerland and we have to make friends with everybody in the industry. So it's just a matter of understanding where everybody else is coming from and to hear their side of the story and to put that into a technology that works.
1: Once again, hearing you speak, both of you, um, to some of the most innovative technology in the world and bringing it always back to humanity, to kindness to the fundamental, um, dignity of, of personhood is so inspiring. And I, um, I'm just, I'm so excited to have had the time today, uh, for you to, to, to share your ideas and your innovation with our listenership. Both of you, thank you very much. And I cannot wait to see both of you hopefully very soon in person as well. Thank you, Jessica.
2: Thank, thank you, Sheila. You.